I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just wanna be the one you love. And with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just wanna start a flame in your heart. Here we go. الشعب كيف؟ احنا بنضمك هنا بتكتل والشعب يعيش يعيش انت شايف بتعرف الطريق والكريك طول النهار تمام عشان 80 شيكل ولا 100 شيكل في الاخر الله يقدر انطم مات بتروح عليه ويعني غصبين عنا الشغلة هذه احنا غصبين عنا بنشتغلها لا تعال اطلع خلص تعال تعال اطلع تعال عارفهم الاخوات الاحتلال الاسرائيلية رمت علينا صواريخ اف 16 وصواريخ يعني صواريخ قاتلة بالنسبة لصرنا شفنا الصواريخ بتنزل علينا على المنفاذ مباشرة صرنا نجري من غير وعي وفي منا يعني شباب في رفح هنا استشهدوا هذا الموضوع ودمار زي ما انت شايف على الطبيعه دمار شامل. Israeli missiles fire at Gaza, a narrow, overcrowded coastal strip in the Palestinian territories. Bordered on the southern side by Egypt, on the east and north by Israel, it's home to a million and a half Palestinians, most of whom are refugees from the land that became Israel in 1948. Cut off from the rest of the world, the majority of Gazans live on food aid. In 2005, the Israelis pulled out of Gaza, withdrawing all troops and all 8,000 Jewish settlers. But Israel retained total control over Gaza's airspace, coasts and border crossings, restricting the movement of people and goods in and out of the Gaza Strip. The Palestinians have dug 2,000 tunnels beneath the border with Egypt, saying that under the Israeli blockade, the tunnels are their lifeline. Israel has tried to destroy the tunnels, accusing Palestinian militants of using them to smuggle arms and explosives into Gaza. Rafah is a prime Israeli military target. The Israeli raids hit many of the tunnels, but as fast as Israeli jets blocked them, Rafah's tunnel diggers got back to work. It's not just guns and rockets that come through here. These deep sandy tunnels are used to supply Gaza with medicines, cement, sugar, rice, fuel, and cooking oil, basic necessities lacking under the Israeli blockade. Pay attention, pay attention to how the reporter is 
videotaping these tunnels that are supplying uh, Turkish and Iranian weapons that are being smuggled in these tunnels. And I want you to notice how you see a lot of UN presence in the area, yet they're still bombing, which is weird, right? How they seem to know where the tunnels are and telling the Israelis to perpetuate it. The Israelis know if you cut off the arms, there is no war. Palestinians lived in a state together with the Jews. No problem. It just all changed suddenly. And it seems that while they're digging these tunnels to get food and water and sugar, like he says, right? It's also weapons. These are all distractions. These are all distractions. While we're distracted with what's happening in the Middle East, we've got the Arctic and Antarctic on full blown. <laughs> it's just insane. They're distracting us with all this. Oh, you don't need a mask anymore. Wait till the next wave comes in. Don't pay attention to what's happening in Arizona or anywhere. Pay attention here. They have confused everything. Remember, pictures are deceptive. This is deceptive. He's trying to tell you how important these tunnels are for them for sustenance and to fight back. This is where you demonize one side. And then... There's others that demonize the other side. So let's go to another clip. This is 2014. We'll get back to it. Let's go to 2015. Let's go to 2015 and see what the mainstream media was telling the world then. Because it seems like none of this was happening when President Trump was president. There was no such rubbish happening. Here's what The Guardian had to say in 2015. The night before the entrance, the commander took us all and started briefing us about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, what the risks are, what's the dangers, what we need to avoid, and the rules of engagements too. The rules were if we see civilians, if we can see something 200 meters or closer to us, it's not a civilian at all. It's maybe a watcher for Hamas forces or suicide bomber or just a terrorist. So... We had no brief about civilians because it's too close to us. We can shoot and kill it. On the 17th of July, 2014, Israel launched a major ground offensive into the Gaza Strip in a bid to stop rockets being fired by Palestinian militants and to destroy a network of tunnels used by Hamas and other factions. By the time they left, some 2,200 Palestinians would be dead, including a significant number of civilians. Isn't it funny how the UN isn't in Israel, but they're in Palestine? Isn't it funny how the UN is in Libya, in Tripoli only, and not the rest of Libya? Isn't it funny how the UN is in the buffer zone between Turkey and Syria? Isn't it funny how the UN is in South Africa? Isn't it funny how the UN is the one that decides who gets maritime easements? Isn't it funny how they seem to appear on the side that the media is telling you is getting killed. Now for the first time, Israeli soldiers have described the orders they received for fighting in civilian areas. Orders that treated any Palestinian as a threat. Among those who have spoken out is a 22-year-old sergeant who served in a tank battalion during the 50-day war. One morning, the commander took six tanks. We stood in a row in front of El Borej 
and he told us over the radio, Good morning, El Borej. Three, two, one, fire. And the whole tanks just fired on random buildings and random targets. Most of our shooting was random. We didn't fought about civilian casualties and moral and some people thought it's, it's like a shooting range. Some people thought it's fun. Some people didn't fought about it at all. I just thought it's really, really bad to shoot on random targets without knowing the effects on the civilian population. The high amount of civilian casualties in Operation Protective Edge, the huge amount of destruction we left behind in Gaza, by no way is out of the blue. Yeah, this is a direct result of new doctrines the IDF has developed. You basically cause disproportionate, significant amount of damage to infrastructure, civilian property in the area you fight in order to create deterrence. Johar Dick had between 12 to 20 houses in my memory. And when I went out, I looked to Johar Dick again and I saw between one and three houses. And then I asked my commander what happened, why, why we need to do it, why there is nothing left there. So he told me that the necessity was to destroy the neighborhood. Did you face any real danger from the houses? No, while we were entering, there was no shooting, no explosion at us, nothing. We just entered at the night and in the morning nothing happened. And when I think about it, nothing really happened from Jokaradik to our forces. The zero risk doctrine basically argues that there is four levels of value of life. We're in the top Israeli civilians, then come Israeli soldiers, then come Palestinian civilians, and then Palestinian militants and terrorists. So we, as an army, have to do everything possible to bring the risk to our troops to zero, even if it will cost in massive damage to the other side, which is exactly the opposite of what international humanitarian law is about, protecting civilians during time of conflict. I think there is a good chance of civilian casualties in this random shooting because most of the time we shot to places farther than the, from the combat zones like one kilometer to three kilometers farther in the Gaza Strip. And those places never been warned by the IDF about uh, shooting and fighting there. So a lot of people stay in their houses. The IDF is very proud of the precautionary measures it took uh, in, in, in Protective Edge. Um, the leaflets that it disseminated warning the civilians uh, of an attack um, that is uh, due. Um, where else have you heard about us throwing leaflets from planes? Actually, Patrick Berge was the one that threw leaflets from planes. Everybody tells you who they are. You just need to be listening. How does this get fixed? They knew, they knew what was coming. And they know what is coming. Everybody tells you who they are. And that's why you have to see, why is it that they want to cancel them so bad? So the trick here is, is to use their own words to have you see. Because unfortunately, most people have been taught to not listen to those that speak truth. So let's use their lies and obfuscation in the right cadence so that you can see the truth you've been told. Telephone calls, etc. And indeed, international law demands, obliges combatants to take precautionary measures prior to attack in order to reduce the damage to civilians. Uh, however, it seems from the testimonies 
that uh, the IDF took a position or a stand that precautionary measures can replace the principle of distinction, when in fact, international law is very clear that precautionary measures is an obligation that comes in addition to the obligation to always make a distinction between civilians and combatants and civilian objects and military objects. After a soldier in my unit died, the commander told us to take our tanks and go to a combat position. Some commanders told it was a revenge shoot in order to revenge his death, and others say it's for his honor. So we took our tanks, we went into a combat position, and we just, each and every gunner chose his building and shot on this building. I just saw a building, it was orange building, it was really high, and I thought, okay, I'm just gonna shoot it. And this was the process of picking up targets, the whole conflict, for our unit, I know. It was, okay, let's shoot this, let's shoot that, let's do it, let's do that. Basically what happened there is that the IDF took its own ethical code and threw it out of the window. Part of the doctrine basically argues that in an asymmetrical war you cannot really win it. It's not something you fight, you win and it's over. It will come again and again. So the strategic objective is not to eliminate the enemy, but to buy more time between rounds of conflict. And the way you do it is by not playing according to the rules. So here's where you demonize another side, right? I mean, you've got to keep it going, right? You've got to have everybody shoot out their opinion. Opinions are not facts. Opinions are not truth. They're simply skewed. So now let's go to 2016, where they tell you how the Iron Dome really works. <laughs> Your journalists are the ones that provide all the information both sides need. I've traveled to Ashkelon, the coastal city just south of Tel Aviv that nudges up against the Gaza Strip. What we're seeing here right now is the launcher. Each launcher has 20 missiles on it. You can see uh, the red light flashing, which means it's armed and ready. Here, one of the dozen or so Iron Dome batteries sits at the ready to intercept missiles and provide Israel with a type of shield from aerial attacks. I'm the Iron Dome commander. Lieutenant Colonel Leron Cohen oversees its operation. Is this as close as we get or do we get... Uh... Uh, this is as close as we get. It took just three years and about $200 million to develop this defense system. It relies on a radar that instantly detects when a missile has been fired. Algorithms quickly try to determine what type of projectile is in the air and whether it's heading for a populated or strategic area. If so, Iron Dome launches a missile of its own. It's said that Iron Dome has taken down more than 1,000 missiles since it turned on in 2011, with a 90% success rate. Some people question the accuracy of these figures. What's clear, though, is that the algorithms capable of directing projectiles while performing a cost-benefit analysis on human life are among the most advanced in the world. This network of launchers is highly mobile and constantly on the move. This site, like many, is temporary. Everything you see here can be moved out in a matter of hours. 
and we move around a lot to make sure nobody knows where we are all the time. Unless you live here, it's difficult to imagine just how much this technology has transformed the lives of ordinary Israelis. Uh, I can tell you from my own personal experience, sitting in my own house and seeing rockets fired towards my house and operating this incredible system and succeeding. With the Iron Dome, when you see your house that you're protecting and your family and your friends and your soldiers, uh, it's a sense of great uh, uh, sense of pride. For many Palestinians, Iron Dome means something else. It's just the most visible part of an expansive Israeli security apparatus that includes drones, checkpoints, and espionage technology. Those tools have been put to immediate Limps. use in the West Bank, Gaza, and throughout Israel. Terrorist bombings have declined. Missiles have met their match. But lower tech forms of protest, like stabbings, are now on the rise. All right, so that was 2016. Let's see, we need to go to 2017. Let's see, let's go to 2017 and watch a little bit of Prager. Prager, you tells you why there's no Palestine. Words have meaning. If Israel just allowed the Palestinians to have a state of their own, there would be peace in the Middle East, right? That's what you hear from UN ambassadors, European diplomats, and most college professors. But what if I told you that Israel has already offered the Palestinians a state of their own, and not just once, but on five separate occasions? Don't believe me? Let's review the record. After the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, following World War I, Britain took control of most of the Middle East, including the area that constitutes modern Israel. 17 years later, in 1936, the Arabs rebelled against the British and against their Jewish neighbors. The British formed a task force, the Peel Commission, to study the cause of the rebellion. The commission concluded that the reason for the violence was that two peoples, Jews and Arabs, wanted to govern the same land. The answer, the Peel Commission concluded, would be to create two independent states, one for the Jews and one for the Arabs, a two-state solution. The suggested split was heavily in favor of the Arabs. The British offered them 80% of the disputed territory, the Jews the remaining 20%. Yet, despite the tiny size of their proposed state, the Jews voted to accept this offer, but the Arabs rejected it and resumed their violent rebellion. Rejection number one. Ten years later, in 1947, the British asked the United Nations to find a new solution to the continuing tensions. Like the Peel Commission, the UN decided that the best way to resolve the conflict was to divide the land. In November 1947, the UN voted to create two states. Again, the Jews accepted the offer, and again, the Arabs rejected it. Only this time, they did so by launching an all-out war. Rejection number two. Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria joined the conflict, but they failed. Israel won the war and got on with the business of building a new nation. Most of the land set aside by the UN for an Arab state 
the West Bank and East Jerusalem became occupied territory, occupied not by Israel, but by Jordan. 20 years later, in 1967, the Arabs, led this time by Egypt and joined by Syria and Jordan, once again sought to destroy the Jewish state. The 1967 conflict, known as the Six-Day War, ended in a stunning victory for Israel. Jerusalem and the West Bank, as well as the area known as the Gaza Strip, fell into Israel's hands. The government split over what to do with this new territory. Half wanted to return the West Bank to Jordan and Gaza to Egypt in exchange for peace. The other half wanted to give it to the region's Arabs, who had begun referring to themselves as the Palestinians in the hope that they would ultimately build their own state there. Neither initiative got very far. A few months later, the Arab League met in Sudan and issued its infamous three no's. No peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. Again, a two-state solution was dismissed by the Arabs, making this rejection number three. In 2000, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak met at Camp David with Palestinian Liberation Organization Chairman Yasser Arafat to conclude a new two-state plan. Barak offered Arafat a Palestinian state in all of Gaza and 94% of the West Bank, with East Jerusalem as its capital. But the Palestinian leader rejected the offer. In the words of U.S. President Bill Clinton, Arafat was here 14 days and said no to everything. Instead, the Palestinians launched a bloody wave of suicide bombings that killed over 1,000 Israelis and maimed thousands more on buses, in wedding halls, and in pizza parlors. Rejection number four. In 2008, Israel tried yet again. Prime Minister Ehud Olmert went even further than Ehud Barak had, expanding the peace offer to include additional land to sweeten the deal. Like his predecessor, the new Palestinian leader, Mahmoud Abbas, turned the deal down. Rejection number five. In between these last two Israeli offers, Israel unilaterally left Gaza giving the Palestinians complete control there. Instead of developing this territory for the good of its citizens, the Palestinians turned Gaza into a terrorist base from which they have fired thousands of rockets into Israel. Each time Israel has agreed to a Palestinian state, the Palestinians have rejected the offer, often violently. So if you're interested in peace in the Middle East, maybe the answer is not to pressure Israel to make yet another offer of a state to the Palestinians. Maybe the answer is to pressure the Palestinians to finally accept the existence of a Jewish state. I'm David Brog, Executive Director of the Maccabee Task Force for Prager University. That is exactly what President Trump did. He got the Arabs to recognize the Israeli state. Their passport wasn't recognizing the majority of nations around the world. That's exactly what he did. So what people need to understand is, is just like Black Lives Matter, I want you to put it into focus that you can understand. Black Lives Matter. Many people say, you know, there is a bias. AI tells us that there's a bias, right? And that's because of cultural nuances. I mean, look at all the movies. All the bad people are black for decades. Uh, you let them do it. All their music was about guns, hood, you know, really messed up shit. 
And then they're upset that they play music that supposedly represents them in the worst light ever as gangbangers, as drug dealers. And then they're just like, why you treat us all like this? Well, that's what you're putting out. This is how they create the conversation. Black lives matter. <laughs> I guess they don't matter uh, when you're pregnant with one because they just, you know, Planned Parenthood was just to target uh, black Americans, right? That's it. Hollywood is to blame for where you're at in regards to the bias. Cause there is a bias. We can't deny that. We know that music industry, the media, that's fact. So while you're sitting there talking smack on, Oh, black lives matter. Well then why does your music say that you need to gang bang, you know, go through the revolving door of prison, slap hose, right? Well, why? And then you're upset that people say that's your image. You've got a woman that talks about wet ass vaginas to kids. You put a stripper out there saying, I'm not going to give it up until you buy me Louis Vuitton. Come on, let's push the prostitution and the sugar daddy thing. I mean, we're seeing it trending on TikTok with kids. It's all about what you put forward. If you say, you know, uh, have you, have you guys watched BET from three decades ago? They demoralized the most incredible contributions. They started making us look at the color of our skin. Why did we have black entertainment television? What was that for? You're the one who wants to recognize color. Nobody else does. You're the one that disrespected your ancestors that were slaves and, and released those chains only to put slap on other ones by yourself. Now, now that we get that, let's look at the Palestinians. They've been told that they were kicked out of Israel, that they're lesser than human. And therefore, they believe that they have every right to fight. There are many children and families in Palestine and territory that is overrun by jihadists that want to get out of there. But how do they? Can all of them afford to make it down to King Abdullah's, uh, you know, roadway out to Jordan and be refugees, which is always a product of war, which then puts this into focus. Why do we have so many refugees? Oh, war. It's a byproduct. So again, think of the people of Palestine as Black Lives Matter movement. 80% of them don't even know why they're there fighting. They're just being told they have to because they're discriminating against them. You're a Palestinian. They took your land. They did this. Everybody hates you. Fight, fight, fight. The other 20% are like, this is just dumb. There's a Palestinian person in the Congress of Israel, right? This is just dumb. You know, so many years ago, we lived fine. You know, a hundred years ago, all together without any recognition. Who decided that we needed recognition? Well, you know, Hitler did this. So we had to give him a thing. All right. So we recognize we all live in harmony. Like what? What's up? Nope. 
We want our name on it because they kicked us out. This is it. I want you to take it down a notch and just look at them side by side. It's the same thing. And they allow people like, you know, like we see BLM, they're out there rioting. I mean, nothing says oppression than raiding Adidas and, you know, Louis Vuitton and getting yourself some Chanel bread. While privileged attorneys come by in their Maseratis handing out bricks to kids saying, break that shit. That'll free you for sure. It's the same thing happening right now in the Middle East. <laughs> Instead of handing them bricks to throw through windows and kerosene and telling them, hey, just Target, like Target and AutoZone, because those are owned by Soros and they're very well insured, you can burn that shit down for, for, the, for the cameras. But, you know. And so this way we have Iran, which is being used as a conduit to facilitate weapons to the Palestinians, it's the same thing as those lawyers driving by and handing bricks or those people handing wads of cash. Go break that shit. Take it, boy. Go run. Black Lives Matter. Go do it. It's the same thing. So there's only one common factor. In 1978, when we took over it on, right? Because Peter Strzok's dad and Stanley Ann Dunham Barack Hussein Obama's mom, they did that. One common factor that causes instability is Iran. And the people of Iran, I make them right. We went in there, we changed everything. I showed you on video just how incredible Iran used to be right before they went in there. That's how they use it. It's the blind spot. I've been calling them the blind spot forever and a day because it's the only place you don't go to. Just like North Korea was the blind spot for us to see what the hell China was doing. Blind spots. Damn. Tunnels going in and out. Damn. President Trump comes in. There's no firings. There's no missiles. There's recognition of Israelis. Conversations with the Palestinians. And yet here we are. People need to understand that if you look at it all side by side, the BLM, Sunrise, Rise Up, Butterfly Sanctuary, Native American, they're all being used for things they believe exist and may exist, but not to the level they say, right? To fight from within. I mean, right now the Gaza Strip in America is Portland, Oregon, isn't it? I mean, that's what's up. And then East Jerusalem is freaking Minneapolis. Look at it in that sense. It makes ideal sense. This is how you understand what's going on. Stand back. Take a look. You got your own Gaza Strip in your own backyard. It's all to perpetuate this division. It's all to take those that are too dumb to see truth. Truth based on facts. You can't change that. You can't cancel truth. You can't cancel fact. You can't just say, well, I don't care about facts. Uh, it's my truth. No, 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 no. Truth is, a, is, is, is fundamental knowledge. And this is it. Is it just a coincidence 
that suddenly that Iran gets all this money, Erdogan and Qatar, right? We've got the Muslim Brotherhood in up, 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 up. They want that Ottoman Empire back. You know they're going to be pushing it. See, this is it. What's going on in the Middle East is happening here just on another scale, using other people. You shouldn't be surprised. Now, you should see what they're saying about the Iron Dome. This is recent. I think it's from yesterday, actually. How Israel's Iron Dome defense system is helping it counter Palestinian rocket attacks. Where are they getting all this ro these rockets? They're in shambles. Where are they getting all this money? You know it's not King Abdullah. I'll tell you that. He kicked Pelosi out faster than she could blink. Wrote that article. Had those pictures. I still have in, in his press pool. He's, <laughs> he's straightforward. You know what the problem is in the Middle East? The freaking UN. The UN gave the easement to Turkey for Libya. General Haftar, he's leading the people. He is Libyan and he's leading his own people after a failed attempt by these globalist clowns to take that nation down sacrificing our own people because they were throwaways. Does it end? Of course it does. How does it end? Well, you're not just actors. You're also directors and you're also script writers. Now, just so you know, anyone saying I stand with Palestine or I stand with Israel is part of the problem. These globalists don't hate black people, white people, Israelis, Palestinians, Chinese, Germans. They just hate people right? Because people are a problem, especially when they start thinking. So the only person you should stand with, the only idea you should stand with is free people. That's it. Because when I see people saying, I stand with Israel, I stand, dude, <laughs> you should only be standing with the people. That's it. With the people, period. I stand with Black Lives Matter. You should stand for the people. I stand with Blue Lives Matter. You should stand with the people. That's my answer to all of it. Because then once you start putting labels on what you stand for, you're part of the problem. You are part of the problem. I don't care what you say. You are part of the problem. I stand with Israel. I stand with Palestine. I stand with Germany. I stand with this. No, you stand with people. You should stand with every single person. You should stand with that little boy that was born in the Gaza Strip, never asked to be born there. His mom never asked to have like her, you know, get impregnated, I guess, maybe, right? And they're born there and they have nowhere to go. They don't have identification. They can't cross over to Israel. They won't accept them. Where are they going to go? Maybe swim across, maybe go somewhere else as a refugee, maybe sell her kid. You should be standing for the people. Not for organizations, not for nations, but for people. I mean, it's not a hard concept. It is not a hard concept. These globalists hate people. They loathe people who think. People who stand for freedom, actual freedom. You know, yesterday, let me see if I can pull it up. I was watching, uh, I, was, I was watching something on my phone. Um, and then for some reason this came up, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause it, it, it there were people, it came up. Some people kind of looking at, um, Tom McDonald's videos and reactions. Have you guys ever seen those things? 
Okay. So that came up and I was, you know, I was like half asleep kind of thing. And I was like, damn, the person watching this was in denial. He wanted to call him a racist. He wanted to say bad things about him. Let me show you. And I guess he changed his mind. He was so adamant that um, Tom McDonald is racist. I'm going to show you this because even though his eyes and his ears were hearing something different, right? His face were like, I'm having a panic attack right now because this isn't making sense. I'm having a panic attack right now because this guy is spitting facts. I'm having a panic attack right now. I don't want to see this. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me find this. Okay. You can, and, and I won't mention which one it is. I want to see if you guys get it in the chat because this is what's happening. You could see it on this guy's face, right? You could see it on this guy's face. Um, this channel is the, what are they called? ZM movie. So they did a reaction to clown world. Um, and that was pretty weird, right? The way they, well, let me show it to you. Let me just see something. Hold on. Hold on a second, guys. Let me just see something because was it that one? Because I was like, why are these things popping up in my feed? It was the weirdest shit ever. It's like, I wasn't watching any of this. Why am I, my whole feed was like bombarded with it. Give me a second. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. Yeah, it was that one. Um, yeah, it was that one. Okay. So let me get to it. Okay. It was that one. Cause I was like, which one is it? Okay. So people were calling him racist and they wanted to do, you know, a, a, a reaction video. So I want you to pay attention to their faces. Who's woke, who's fake woke and who's really, really, who's fake woke getting woke and who's denying the truth that he's seeing. Okay. This is how you can see it. Okay. This is, this is how you can see the internal struggle. And I feel for them when you've been told one thing all your life, right? When you, um, get that, you'll see this struggle on his face and I'll call it out when I, when, when you can see it. He's bold. You get canceled for that. I told you, that's the wrong group to mess with. I don't. I I haven't listened to none of his. Oh, this the racist dude everybody keeps talking about. I don't know. I or he's not racist. People people controversy. He speaks his mind. We'll say that. He speaks his mind on. He said, "You mean that racist person?" And he changed himself to speak woke language, which is controversial. He couldn't say racist because he has to say controversial because that's politically accepted. Pay attention to the words. Pay attention to the face reactions. Issues. Okay. Never listen to him. None of us has never listened to him. So this will be a first time listen. Um, <clears throat> people have requested a couple times, but we. I've heard them. Kind of, I have them. He, he's um, he has. He definitely has some wordplay. Oh, you have you yeah. listened to some? Yeah. Okay. My fault. Okay. 
Let's get smoothy. What up, YouTube? It's your boy Trey. We back with another video. We got Tom Tom McDonald Clown World. Uh, this is a first time reaction to Tom McDonald. So if you guys want more, go ahead and comment down some some songs that we should do. We see he has a lot and a lot of songs. So comment down some songs we should do. We'll go ahead and get that out there for y'all. Get this video to 500 likes. 500 likes, and we will do you heard 500 likes and request some more Tom McDonald songs, and we will do them. Um, if you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for your boys. Ring that bell for you so you stay posted when we post. Welcome to this movie. We got some lit freaking reactions here, man. We get Liddy over here. Follow us on socials, Instagram, Twitter, down in the description below. We got the links. Um, yeah, we're going to hop straight to it. And let's let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Can't build a wall. Why does your house have a fence? <laughs> yes, sir. Can you guys see who's struggling internally? Can you see it? I think about. I never thought about that. Granted, he didn't he didn't build that fence though. I ain't trying to defend that man. That fence been up there. <laughs> <laughs> been up there before he was even in there. It's still there. I never thought of that. I didn't think of what he said. You want to build a wall, but you got a fence. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what was the first line he said? He said, uh, "Um, you you want to making a better planet for our children? Why don't we make our you wanna, children? You want to make a planet? better planet for our kids? Why don't we make we better kids for our planet? planet? That's hard. Yeah. That's what that. That's factual." That's definitely factual. Two I'm just confused when a dude has appeared as a breast. He won't always agree. No, I don't hate all the least. No, I don't. He's bold. Told you. Yeah. You get canceled for that. I told you. That's the wrong group to mess with. You get canceled for that. I am fighting violence with more violence is what they want. Viruses and bias, people dying, we won't stay home. Where's he from? I thought he was from Australia, but he doesn't I sound like he's from Australia. I don't know where he's from. Let us know in the comments where he's from. Um he's spitting. Yeah. He's definitely spitting. He's spitting. He's definitely controversial. The only races that we didn't like were the ones that we didn't win. Then we started hating on each other, started bro. We started noticing the colors of our skin. Oh, my goodness. This man is speaking a lot of facts. Bro, yeah, I'm gonna need y'all to call me. I'm gonna need y'all to get to the 500 likes. 
and wow. comment some more Tom McDonald's with you so we can do it. Like I said, he's very controversial, but some of the stuff he's saying makes sense. Not- you see how he's struggling, the one in the red hat. You could see it in his face. He's like, damn, the guy is spitting truth. And, you know, he hated Donald Trump. He made it clear. Well, the fence was there before he got in there, so I'm not giving him credit. Just look at his struggle. I stand to agree with it, but it makes sense. Yeah, you ain't got to you ain't got to agree with it, but he got a good point. He's getting his point across. Uh-huh. And and in fact, and the, the crazy thing is, he's not breaking down details. He's putting it in a song, mm-hmm. and he's exactly. getting his point across. Exactly. tell from this video just from this video and just from this song his other songs and Bro, videos are probably unreal unreal yeah I just from like this is the calmest song you probably <clears throat> yes probably i feel it like it. that's what i'm saying because I, I thought when we got what we were supposed to do this a song like i think in december late december right. like everybody on ig was saying fake woke that's one we I think that's the one. And everybody was like, he's racist. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh we was going to do fake woke, but I think we were record, we recording a bunch of videos that day yeah. and we forgot about it. You do yourself and then they judge you on the internet that everybody hates you for it. If Jesus was alive, I swear to God, they ever canceled. It's like to be a negative to real be wrong. Like we said, we might not agree with everything that he says. That's factual, though. But Y'all probably will cancel Jesus. They did it. <laughs> They did it before. If you're thick, you're black. You're white, If you're thick, you're fat. Hold up. If you're thick, you're fat. You're rich, you're bad. You're poor, you're black. You're white, you're whack. You lie, it's facts. Hold up. Can I get a round of applause? Did I get a round of applause? That was the first time listening. Oh my, but dang, the wordplay, the bars, this man is, where have we been at? We- now the guy in the red hat, the only thing he heard was if you're black, you're poor. You got it? We live in a clown world. <laughs> oh, wow. Can we go back to that line? He said. My generation needs free condoms because they don't they, because they don't have common sense. Let's just sink that up for a minute. Oh yeah. So as you guys can see, the guy the guy in the red hat is really struggling. Really struggling. 
his face tells you the inner conflict he has. He just can't process that the person that he knew was a racist white guy putting out music is spitting facts. And if you notice his ears only heard if you're black, you're poor. Out of all those phrases, this is it. And that tells you just how indoctrinated people are. Just how deep this goes. It is so heart-wrenching to see him struggle like that. Because it's hard to shatter someone's reality without causing them harm. This hurt them so bad. Now, there was a group of people, they were so stoned, that did the fake woke reaction just in January because people were calling him racist. They have a big Black Lives Matter sign in the back. You'll see the person who came to peace with realizing my reality is fake. There is nothing about my reality that's real. You can spot him out. I want you to pay attention because this is the great awakening. This is how it happens. And I want you to be able to spot it out. That way, when you talk to Karens or idiots, you can spot it out yourself. The people that are really struggling that need a couple rounds of it. Because what I did this morning was like, why the heck is my history feed <laughs> filled with all this crap? You know, because it just popped up and I was like, you know, mute. I just muted it in my sleep. You know why that popped up in my whole history this morning. <laughs> Shit's under these videos. So I plowed through a couple of them. That guy in the red hat changed. You saw him as more songs. He, they tried to take the white boy song and they were just like, damn, we can't hate this. We can't. I want you to <clears throat> look at this group of people. They're so high. It's so hilarious because <laughs> they're just stoners. But it's funny to see them respond and you're going to be able to spot out the people that are like, damn, this is reality. There's one person in there that's like, I already knew this stuff. Spot them out. You could see it. Hold on. Let's see. Guess what? We rocking with the team. Gotta get to Hey, Tom McDonald, fake woke. I think he might be talking about the fake wokes. I don't know what he's talking about. Got a lot of but Tom, hey, look. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you a bot? Are you a bot? Are you a bot? Are you a bot? Are y'all bots? We might all be bots. Hey, look. Hey, look, bro. He been going crazy, but he be talking about Donald Trump and all this. So we're going to see what Tom got. This is our first time reacting to this. I didn't even see the video. Have y'all even heard of this dude before? No. Who is he? You heard how I came on it with the game. Controversial and Cardi B is the role model for 12 year old girls. Oh, man. Oh, 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 he just said what we said up to the other day. This ain't sex. Well, you Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to get a job and then get a gun. That's why that's doing numbers. He's hey. Facts. hey, what do you say about him and them, though? Eminem is the gay bash. Nah, I heard it. He got a song called 
cleaning out my closet and he talk about like murdering <laughs> his mom and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. He used to be tripping. He used to be tweaking yeah. on the beat. He had a song called Stan. He was tripping. Hey, Eminem, hey. Wow. Man, since they voted for Trump, we're ashamed to be American. You should probably love it because you have the right to hate it and not get stoned to death in public. As children, we were taught how to walk and talk, but the system wants adults to sit down and shut up. Cancel culture runs the world now. The planet went crazy. Label everything we say is homophobic or racist. Y'all be doing that to us. They didn't do that to us for sure. I ain't gonna lie, Tom. You're doing something really different. He's trying to come with the lyrics on this. Right and your privilege, guilty by association. All our childhood heroes got me too to the rape. They never freed the slaves. They realized that they don't need the chains. They gave us tiny screens. We think we free because we can't see the cage. They knew the race would be the game. They they gave us a screen just to see the cage. Oh, they freed the chains. Thank you for Can we finish this? This is four minutes. We gotta keep going. It's just too many. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back. We free because we can't see the cage. They knew that race war would be the game they need to play for people to get teams. They used the media to feed the flame. Wait, so he's saying your fans don't care what you're feeling? That's what he's saying? He's saying everyone in general like social media, I think. Yeah. Fake woke. Their neighbor because he wears a mask or he stays home. He has a daughter, but his favorite artist said he slays hoes. Picks her up from school, music slaps on the way home. Because <laughs> they choose what they erase. There's the difference between hate speech and speech that you hate. I think Black Lives Matter was the stupidest name when the system screwed everyone exactly the same. I just want to spend Thanksgiving Day food in my family without being accused of celebrating native casualties. We got so divided it's black and white and political. Republicans are bigots, lip tards if you're liberal. There's riots in our streets. And it's just getting worse. He's saying he's saying that it's bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. Like it's something controlling that. Yeah. That's what I see what he's saying. Mm -hmm. They're trying try to separate. Yeah. They trying yeah. to separate us and then us all being together. So that way they profit. Damn, the guy in the back super woke, right? He's like, Yeah, it's bigger than that. It's that they they're making it profit, you know, making a profit on us. He's got it. That's the guy that was already real woke, right? The guy in the, uh, you know, Adidas top is like, um, okay, yo, that's that's real, you know. The guy in the purple is kind of struggling, right? But this is, you know, this has you're gonna be like we've been talking about Israel, we've been talking about historical wars. This is a war too. It's segregation. I want you to see with your eyes what it looks like to see someone in the process of understanding what the truth is. Their faces tell you everything. And I'm sure a lot of your faces are probably the same way today, learning about things about Israel, Palestine, the Romans that you didn't know about how the media creates all the wars. Wag the dog was a documentary, not a movie. So, you know, to end this, right, I want you guys 
to look at them. One of them becomes real woke, that one right there, in just a few. Yeah. Huh? People fake woke. I ain't for me to decide. Bring the deep on the police, y'all are genius for sure. They're underfunded already, they're way too busy to work. Order food and call the cops, see what reaches you first. Segregation ended, that's a lie in itself. That was a strategy to make us think they were trying to help. This man was quicky. So y'all think the box he talking about our phone? I mean, everything we look at is connected. Everything. Look, when we say something on our phone, they pop up on our phone, man. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I know y'all have got it too, man. iPhone, 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 iPhone. Take two off, You got one, bro. But you know how you ain't give me your sandwich, bro? I was just joking you. You can have one. Oh! Man, run that back. Run that back. He's sliding different. That was a bar. What are you going back? Run it back. That was a bar. Hold on, go back, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Y'all got any thoughts? This 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 bad, son. He just he, he literally he just no, he's just reading straight facts. Though. Getting on our ass. Bad. Everybody Yeah. I'm trying to see what he's saying. Who turned the idiots high what? Take a take a pill when the side effects get you high. You get addicted like these rappers dying, fighting with sobriety. Censoring the facts turns our children into idiots. They claim it's for our safety. I'll tell you what it's really censoring the facts turns our kids into idiots. They don't want the adults to speak up. <sighs> I ain't gonna lie, buddy. Hey, Tom. No, I think he talking about. I think he's talking no, about how they talking. don't have everything in history. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, what he's talking about. Because he said he said yeah. the censoring the stuff for the facts, facts from yeah. our children. Turn them to you. For all the citizens, the truth doesn't damage points of view that are legitimate. We're trying to change amen to amen and women. How we let them make praying a microaggression? Instead of asking God for the strength to keep winning, we cheat to get ahead and then we ask for forgiveness. Feminism used to be the most righteous of fights, but these days it feels like they secretly hate guys. I don't trust anyone who bleeds for a week and don't die. You just care that everything else that I said is right. Nah, y'all feel like what he just said. He was just in that thing, bro. He was Boy. But the bars before that, he was really good. No, no, I mean, like that whole thing. He was going dumb. Not just that, He went dumb. I did not expect him to go dumb like that. No, he so, what did you see? The guy in the back over here, totally enjoying waking up his friends. They all think the same thing that many people think of and don't talk about, which is 
history isn't what they tell us. And that's key. That's what makes our kids into idiots. And they get it. Yet they still have that banner of Black Lives Matter in the back. It's going to be a while. But see, they're getting it. And like I said, a lot of people won't be happy with what happens in the Middle East. They don't like the, oh, Palestine gets a thing. Oh, Israel gets a thing. You're not supposed to be on anybody's side. In war, borders change. Nations rise and fall. The nations of today didn't exist 200 years ago. That is the way it is. This time, this time, in this time, this is that pivot point. This period is that pivot point. Do you go back and start the cycle again? Or do you break the cycle and move forward? And this is where it comes down to it. <laughs> like, so it's a couple people that watched the video, went in there biased. The guy in the red hat, super messed up. Like the guy did not want to see any of it. We need Dianon to start making videos now. We need videos for Dianon too. We need to flood it. Frequencies, music, different kinds. There's tons of it. Sometimes the songs are already there. They just need to be retold by someone else. This is why some music resonates better with others in different ways. It's all how you do it. Some people are uh, attuned to ivory keys. Have you ever noticed when you listen to piano music, it feels more like music? And the reason that you feel that is because you can feel the pressure or you can imagine the pressure of the actual physical exertion of pushing that key, right? That key, you can feel it. You can feel the key. Others can feel the stroke of the violin. It's all about frequencies. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Tom McDonald fan. More so not because he thumps out music that I like, gets me pumped, because so does um, Prophet. Prophet does some really good music too. Uh, he recycles songs and makes them amazing, right? Uh, it's, um, is it Tommy Prophet that does it? So it's important that we understand that the awakening is happening globally everywhere. And this is why I use my raids to spread that love. I mean, there were a lot of them that got on a discord and said, you know, you know, block this person, block that person, Right. They did that. They actually did that. There was a discord to warn about a crazy Trumpist that's raiding people. They did that when it was all to show that music unites us, the frequency, the fun unites us, right? And this is why we had raids yesterday. I'm pretty sure those German people that we raided did not expect anything like that. My heart sank to see them under such heavy chains that they couldn't even see themselves. They laughed it off. Like, yeah, we're still on lockdown. No big deal. Yeah. You know, only the vaccinated are allowed to go to the restaurant. My heart sank. And the thing is, there's so many people that are like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, I want to go shopping for food. I want to travel. I want to buy a car. I want my kid to go to school. Right. That's what's up. That's the problem that will betray our own foundations, our own beliefs, our own floors of morality for self-preservation.
That's it. They've taken truth and eradicated it, diluted it. And now that the truth is coming to the surface, even those that portray themselves as truth tellers are trying to strangulate it. That's a big problem. So I hope that today you guys understood a little bit more of what's going on in the Middle East, understood how it's going around everywhere. It's just a different version. We've got the same war happening right now on the borders of China and Pakistan. We've got the same war going on in Oman and Yemen. You just don't see it. We've got the same war happening here. Different. It's the same plot, different movie director, different characters. That's it. You should see how things are. And in the meantime, if you step back and you're like, all right, these are all different versions of the same movie. What's the real movie I need to look at? Well, then you need to follow the real news. The little things they're not telling you. The little things they're not telling you that we've been pointing out for a while. You saw about the pipelines, how they're now they want to talk about it. Like I said, many, many, many times before, many, many weeks ago, and many, many months ago, and even a few years ago, you bitches don't want to report to news. In the end, you're going to be taking my second, my sloppy seconds and showing your face to the rest because there's no more of this. There's no more time to keep passing out olive branches. Get salty when you hear my name from the very people that you come to thump you up. That's what happens. You can't cancel the truth, right? You can't. And you know they're all listening. I mean, it was so funny how BuzzFeed started talking about Venmo. <laughs> Didn't I show you Sarah Biden and her Venmo and Biden and his Venmo on screen? Ooh, what? 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 Yeah. Nothing to see here, as always. I hope you're understanding that you are the news. No one else. And like I said years ago, crow's my fucking specialty. And the more you want to fight it, the more you're going to have to take it down with no water. It's a really hard bird to take down. It's a really hard bird. And you should say that to all those around you. It's a hard pill to swallow. You could take a red pill or a blue pill. There are suppositories for the red pill, though. And they can pick. You know, uh, suddenly we're seeing a lot being discussed about biomedical research. I want to show you how much of the news you are. Let me show, let me show this before we go. It's... um. It's quite fascinating. Let's see where we're going to get it. Can I get that there? Let me see. Give me a second. Let's see if I can pull that up. Okay, yeah. So there was a Senate hearing committee all of a sudden, out of the blue, a year or so later after COVID, talking about stuff. See, a lot of people don't seem to realize that a lot of my shows, I obfuscate. You're going to be like, why? Well, it's better like that 
It's better for them to dismiss you because then they don't listen. Then they have to go through hours of history and funny stories to actually get the sauce. Here we go. Let's see. Good morning. Senate uh, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee will please come to order. Today we are holding a hearing on protecting U.S. biomedical research. Ranking Member Burr and I will each have an opening statement, and I will introduce today's witnesses. After the witnesses give their testimony, senators will each have five minutes for a round of questions. Before we begin, I again want to walk through our COVID-19 safety protocols in place. We will follow the advice of the attending physician and the sergeant at arms in conducting this hearing. We're very grateful to our clerks and everyone who's worked so hard to get this set up and help everyone stay safe and healthy. Committee members are seated at least six feet apart, and some senators are participating by video conference and services where he has overseen scientific advances, including global funded research. Having insight into activities constitutes a conflict of interest. Researchers right, to pace. properly disclose relevant financial and non-financial think comes across our radar, we pass it on. Um, and then same with the, the law enforcement entities to the extent institutions. Thank you, Senator. So we we are working closely. We recognize the that steal COVID-19 related research problem because when Senator Warren and I met with Here institutions, they basically said, we believe that when you when the United States government gives a visa to these researchers that we've got on a research bench, they have a, they have already completed the security clearance form, which is 100% false. And institutions have told us in many cases, these same individuals who we might have concerns about are their top researchers. So they're going to be the least likely to turn in their top researchers. How do we solve this? Well, there are several avenues we are working on uh, in collection, in conjunction with NIH and the law enforcement and other agencies to raise awareness. Um, extramural, I mentioned last year, we've had an ONS liaison from the FBI out there talking to academia, private institutions, other government agencies, but we're also working with the National Counterintelligence Task Force to come up with uh, uh, an awareness program that extramural entities can understand. You mentioned about security clearances and how it's really, you know, it's it's very hard to understand the real issue without having a clearance and having access to that information. And so we are trying to come up with an unclassified way to get that message across. Uh, that's, that's one way. We also coordinate uh, with other agencies. For example, you mentioned the visa process. We do coordinate, for example, um, with other, with the IC, with CBP on their J-1 visa uh, when it's relevant to our equities and that's scientists coming in, for example, to NIH entities, there is a coordination program there. So it's about, you know, enhancing our cooperation within HHS, outside of HHS and, and an awareness program. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you, Senator Casey. Thank you, Chair Murray. I want to thank our uh, panelists for their testimony and for their presence at the hearing. I wanted to start with um, Acting uh, Director Aguirre, and I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Aguirre? That's fine. I go by Aguirre, but Aguirre is fine. Aguirre, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. But um, Director Aguirre, in recent testimony by the American Hospital Association before the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, 
revealed that the expansion of network connected technologies to manage pandemic response has increased vulnerabilities in, the, in hospital networks. The Hospital Association uh, described concerns they have about cyber attacks that steal COVID-19 related research, including both treatment protocols as well as vaccine data. Can you please describe the unique threats that hospi both hospitals and healthcare systems face when it comes to cyber attacks, especially those which are nation state sponsored, uh, which seek to steal both medical research and innovation? So that's not the case. The case is, is that what we have here is, uh, is a bunch of, now get this, let me take you back in time where we uh, had uh, the AER systems uh, done under Obama. They decided that they're going to be sharing medical records of all citizens of the United States and the world on one platform. Every single nation has access to that. Now, what have I told you about the Smart Cities Initiative? In the Smart Cities Initiative, they know everything. Your health, your finance, you name it, they know it about you. How does this assist them? To eliminate you. To eliminate you out of the equation. To eliminate you from any conversation. They already know. They'll predict how you move, how you walk, how you talk, and what you go for. That's it. That is exactly their plan. They have planned this. So now they're talking about how um, the, the problems that they're having is uh, putting together uh, cyber uh, responses, cyber responses, get this, uh, for attacks, right? About information, which they already stole, of course, right? They already stole this information. So now we're gonna go to Senator Cassidy. I wanna, I want you guys to listen to this, okay? So one factor is stealing medical research and patient health information from hospital, hospitals that they are hackable and they have fears, which means the shit's already happened. I apologize if I'm asking questions others have asked. I'm splitting between three committees. Uh, Dr. Lauer, um, the All of Us Precision Medicine Initiative, collecting data from a million U.S. residents uh, for genetic diseases, it's my understanding that a lot of this research or a lot of the genetic testing is done in, in, in China. Similarly, I'm told that like 23andMe and others, I don't know if it's 23andMe particularly, but some of those that do direct consumer marketing, again, have their genetic testing done in China. And then universities are getting their genetic testing done either in China or by a company with Chinese links. And again, I apologize if someone else has asked this, can you kind of give me a flavor of what we're doing to keep this incredibly sensitive data from being um, misused or even absorbed by those folks in China? So, Senator, about the specific programs, I'd have to follow up with you because I, I don't know the exact details of... He doesn't know the exact details of 23andMeAncestry.com and laboratories that send all genetic information that they collect that I have told you in the past is on your contract when you sign a consent to treat with hospitals to China. And how does he refer to that? Data. He refers to your genetic information as data. They already know what they're doing. Pay attention. Of where the uh, genomic sequencing is uh, being done. 
Uh, we do have um, an extensive genomics uh, uh, sharing and, and a genomics uh, science policy, uh, which uh, has evolved um, over the decades and mo most recently was put out in 2015, where we try to balance exactly what uh, the tensions that you're, that you're suggesting. Um, on the one hand, we want to enhance uh, scientific progress. On the other hand, we want to make sure that there are no, there's no misuse of the data. The data is being used for exactly what it's supposed to be used for. Uh, that it's not being shared uh, inappropriately with others, um, and that uh, individuals, groups, uh, U.S. public uh, tr uh, trust are, uh, are are appropriately protected. Do you agree that if knowing that the NIH, uh, I gather the NIH is doing all of your genomic testing on site? So um, again, I'll, I'd have to follow up with you on the detail. Some genomic, some of the genomic testing is on site. Some of it is happening um, at specific um, sequencing centers um, around the United States um, that have expertise um, in doing this. It, I I would say it's fair to say it's a mix. Um, but none of it is done abroad, I guess is the thrust of my question. Would you would you also agree though that if some of this is being done in China, say university, XYZ University is having is outsourcing their genetic testing, or if a direct to consumer entity is outsourcing their genetic testing to China, that this could be problematic? It, it might be. What we do is uh, anytime that a significant part of NIH-funded research is occurring outside of the United States, uh, we call that a foreign component, and we go through a formal process um, to make sure that appropriate um, steps are being taken. That's what I'm asking, though, is not necessarily the results of the testing, but rather the testing itself. In this case, if you, as we both know, if you correlate genetic uh, material with others, it gives you a big leg up in terms of the future of medicine. Uh, the future of understanding an individual's health status, in fact, their blood relative's health status. So I'm asking not so much the results of the testing, but rather the actual test itself. You know, my genetic code being deposited someplace which does not have protections of privacy that the U.S. takes for granted. Yes, I, I, I hear you, Senator. I think that's part of the reason why uh, we want to make sure, for example, that uh, all the data um, for, that we use as part of our genomic data sharing is, uh, is de-identified uh, because the protection of the individual is something that, it, that is of uh, key importance. Let me go back to my question. For some reason, I guess I'm not making it clear. Okay. Would it be problematic if universities, hospitals, et cetera, direct-to-consumer marketers are having their testing done in China or with an entity which shares information with the Chinese government? Well, it depends upon what we consider the risks to be. We are particularly concerned about the risks to the individuals, to research participants, and that's why we have a variety of steps uh, in place uh, to protect them. One of the most important is, is uh, de-identifying their data. Uh, we don't see genetic data in and of itself as being a, a national security risk, but I, I would say that we work very closely um, with, our, uh, with experts and colleagues in other parts of government, including IG and, and ONS, uh, to make sure that we're doing this as best as we, as we can and doing it right. I've been told that there really there's no data that which cannot be re-identified. Uh, there may be a function such as the data lake, data, data lake, but in terms of truly de-identifying a medical record or some aspect of a medical record, almost always it can be re-identified. Would, would you disagree with that? Uh, we are uh, watching this quite closely, and, and you are right um, that there um, have been instances where uh, it appears that uh, researchers have been inappropriately uh, re-identifying people. One of the key steps that we take whenever we share data uh, is uh, 
to discuss exactly what steps will be made um, to make sure that no attempt will be made to re-identify uh, re um, participants. So then that goes back to, I guess, my question. If we're concerned about foreign influence in our medical research, everybody you're describing is subject to the jurisdiction, authority, a potential for penalties from the NIH or the U.S. government. But if we're dealing with an entity overseas which is not subject to that, does not fear that, et cetera, then if they have that same material, they could handle it differently with all the nefarious consequences that we fear. That would be correct. Yes. Yeah, so this is the reason why uh, we don't just automatically process a data sharing request. Uh, all the data sharing requests that we get go through a very extensive vetting process, and we, in fact, reject a fair number of them. Um, in, including uh, including requests that are coming in from from foreign entities because we are worried about that we are worried about misuse of the data. Uh, with that, I yield back, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you. We'll turn to Senator Rosen. We don't need to turn to anyone else. Let me tell you something. Did you know that there was a, um, a the first female representative um, from New York? who died. I talked about her, uh, Representative Slaughter, uh, Louise Slaughter. I talked about her when she died, how McCain died uh, as a senator. And, you know, he had like this great funeral, but this woman who literally has saved your ass and your children's ass. And I'm going to show you how And you're going to be like, damn, Tori, on a four hour show, people going to have to go three and a half hours to listen to this. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So you wanna, you know what archivist, when you listen to this, I'll send you an email, cut this one as a separate one. So I'm gonna tell you a story of uh, Louise Slaughter from New York. She passed away, but she saved your ass. And I'm gonna tell you how she and another woman Olympia saved your ass today. A lot of people don't know that there were many that knew what was coming and how it was coming. There was a woman who was the first lady of Maine back in the late 80s, early 90s. She then entered in the Senate for the small business between, um, she took over from John Kerry and then John Kerry took over from her too. She was the chair of the Senate of Small Business Committee. And she was the United States Senator of Maine from 1995 to 2013. Her name was Olympia Jean Buchlis, Screek. Olympia Snow. That's one woman you need to remember. Because she, as I'm going to demonstrate to you now, along with Louise Slaughter, saved your ass. And you're going to be like, uh, yeah, okay, how? So it was Louise Slaughter who, she passed away in, uh, when did she, in March of 2018. She slipped and fell, they said, right? Um, she was a microbiologist, right? Um, she became, she went into part of the New York State Assembly, uh, was a U.S. House Representative of New York, um, uh, 25th District, 28th, and then 30th, 
right? And then she became the chairwoman of the House Rules Committee um, with David Dreher and Nancy Pelosi, just so you know. So um, she was in office from 1987 to 2018. She studied microbiology and public health at the University of Kentucky. She was a wildcat. She's pretty cool too. Pretty cool. Local New Yorker. She helped me get into a few places I would have never gotten into. Wait, there's more. She and just, I just wanted to say, so this Greek woman from Maine and this wildcat, you know, um, sorry. She helped me get into places that I would have never gotten into. So let me take it to the top. It's 1995. She introduces a bill. It was the first version of Gina. Have you guys ever heard of Gina? Gina's going to save you. It's the Genetic Discriminations Act. Um, basically, uh, it's the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008. She got that done. She and Olympia got that done. She introduced the bill as um, a non-discrimination in health insurance. She didn't want people that had genetic issues um, to be held back from not having health access. Well, in 1996, um, Senator Olympia from Maine introduced a, a, a companion bill. And uh, she introduces a bill in uh, to come together with that. And basically... Um, both Slaughter and Snow's bill, they never made it to the full House or full Senate. Um, and they referred to this kind of bill as something that was dead in the water, right? Uh, they had the Genetic Privacy and Non-Discrimination Act of 96 that they wanted, the Genetic Fairness Act of 96, and it wasn't happening, Genetic Confidentiality and Non-Discrimination Act. They wanted to have that all in there. So in 97 and through 98, both these women reintroduced their bills in the 105th Congress. And again, dead on arrival. In 1999, while the world was distracted, um, Representative Slaughter and Snow, um, Senator Snow, they reintroduce it to the 106th Congress. Now, instead of just having it as um, just about healthcare discrimination, they included an Employment Act of 1999. So what they wanted to do was not allow organizations to use your genetic information to employment decisions. So they didn't want you getting discriminated uh, from getting health insurance, health care, and um, employment because of your genetic information. Um, so that happened. So so they introduced it like this to make, to help in regards to, um, you know, preventing employers from collecting and purchasing genetic information of their employees. So they were trying to protect you. In 2000, in, uh, in 2000 the 106th Congress, uh, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Health Insurance Bill was still sitting in Congress between both sides, all chambers on sitting there. So since the Human Genome Project came out, right, it was kind of the talk of the town. You know, oh, we're decoding, na, 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 you know, with Craig Mentner and all that drama had happened in 99, 2000. 
So to celebrate the the draft of uh, you know the the draft of what they had of the human genome project uh bill clinton um gave a briefing about it and with the nih about genetics etc cetera, etc cetera. in uh, the 107th congress they reintroduced their bills for the fourth freaking time right and they were working on the human genome project and they were pushing and pushing and pushing pushing in 2002 finally with all this, you know, stuff with 9-11 that had happened and everything, at the 107th Congress, they put it forward as the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, or GINA. And this one had protections against employment discrimination. And um, this is how it went forward. Um, again, it died, right? <laughs> it died. And then the Human Genome Project is complete. At the 110th Congress, the two women, once again in 2007, reintroduced the bills. And guess what? Just as Bill, as, as, as Bush Jr. is exiting, the fucking bill gets signed. It gets signed. This was one of the most important bills ever. When Slaughter died, she was pushing along an amendment because there's a few titles. And she was pushing them along and she slipped and fell and died. No one talked about it. Nobody knew that, that she died. I even said, like, this woman dropped dead. Nobody wants to talk about it. So she passed away. Olympia is still around. She's in Maine somewhere. So for all you Tori says Maine people, you could reach out to her and say thank you. Because while we go with uh, armed with our, you know, ADA acts, you have to understand that there's uh, Title I and Title II of this, which is health insurance and employment. They were trying to do Title III, which is access. And this came down really hard. Um, on May 16, 2016, the Employment Equal Opportunity Place uh, came at the act right before <laughs> funny date, May 16, 2016, isn't it? Came after them uh, amending the GINA regulations to provide clarification on the issue of spouses' genetic information. The amendment rule said that it was permissible for wellness programs to offer limited inducements in the form of reward or penalty in exchange for information about the manifestation of disease or disorders in spouses. Many people were really upset with the EEOC's ruling conflicts with Gina's definition of genetic information. They wanted to change what genetic information meant, and this is very important. And that under Gina, it should not be permissible for wellness programs to offer inducements for spouses' health information because that was collecting more data and putting it together. So the maximum inducement that wellness programs may offer in exchange for employees or the spouse health information is 30% um, the cost of a self-only insurance plan. It's really crazy. They were coercing people to provide more information. Now, there are other laws that cover your genetic information. The ADA, right? There are state laws. Did you know, for example, that in Wisconsin, it was the first state to actually um, disallow 
um, wholesale discrimination based on genetics. Did you know that? Did you know that North Carolina was the first state to say you can't um, discriminate on someone because they have a sickle cell uh, trait? Did you know that too? And uh, California passed the California Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act in 2011 called the CalGENA, which extended protections even further to prohibit genetic discrimination in emergency medical services, housing, mortgage lending, education, and other state-funded programs. So boom, California, you're now protected from any, any business, any school, any college discriminating you from having access because you don't have the vaccine. Because the question is, how do they test to know if you have the vaccine or not? How do they test to know if you got the vaccine or not? Ah, uh, that's right. Genetic testing, which is ergo genetic discrimination. So there are so many people that have fought this. I mean, when we think of battlefields, we think of blood and guns and whatnot. But there were many people out there that put their lives on their line to make sure that when the time came, that you were covered. So remember to use the laws you have. You are free on paper. You have the laws in place that can cover you. Do not allow them to bully you into thinking that you have no choice but to take that vaccine. Do not bully them into making you think that this is the only way forward. Do not let them make you think, get vaxxed or stay masked. I don't need to wear a muzzle because you said so. The law says you can't make me wear a yellow star. The mask is the yellow star. Can you see it now? Because I said that over a year ago. The mask is the new yellow star. They're going to be tagging you. What did the so-called faux-selected superimposed president say? Get vaxxed or get masked. That's what's up. You're either going to get a vaccination or you're going to be wearing something that tells everyone that you're not. That's what's up. That is criminal. Now, Cal Gina for my California peeps, use that shit. Use it like crazy. The mask is the yellow star. That is what he just put there. Discrimination all around. You're white. You don't get help. You're not vaxxed. You need to wear a yellow star. Pay attention. GINA is a congressionally passed act. It applies across the nation. Cal GINA, California has the GINA Act and the Cal GINA Act. The Cal GINA Act actually covers more than the GINA Act. It covers everything from housing and education. So they're fucked in California if they think they can get away with that crap. Other states, I don't know, got to replace every single one of them. So again, if you think this is just oh, rhetoric, I'll get vaxxed or masked. Look at all these cute memes. No, this is the yellow star. 
Do you see it now? Everyone's going to know that you're not vaxxed because you need to wear a mask. And if you don't wear a mask, they're going to want to see your vaccine card. And if you show them a fake vaccine card, you're going to jail. Sounds like something Hitler would do. That's what's up. So don't let anyone tell you that no one has been fighting for years. We've been waiting for a time like this. There have been many, many, many people. And I'll tell you what, Louise Slaughter, damn patriot. Damn patriot. Super cool, too. She got me my, um, my internship at the College of Pharmacy. At the, at the University of Kentucky uh, when I needed to find some things out on medications. That's another story. But um, hopefully today's show was eye-opening. One, dispelling what we know about the Middle East, seeing that what's happening in the Middle East is happening here. It's just different players, different. It's the same damn script. The directors are different how you can see how people are physically struggling with learning the truth so you can understand. I know we all want to shake them. I want to shake you too because more than 90% of you here are still not seeing it. And also I wanted to show you that a lot of work was done in the background to make sure that there were fail-safes because it does take time. People struggle. People struggle a lot with the truth because they're just not used to it. On that note, uh, we'll raid for Twitch. I'm going to find some cool raid. Um, God bless everyone. I will see you tomorrow for movie night, and I will do a show on Monday, um, but not Tuesday or Wednesday. On that note, see you tomorrow. Just wanna start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have but one desire. And